This is a Federal News Network podcast. Feast or famine? That was how many government contractors described 2020. Between the pandemic, pivoting to remote work, and dealing with the uncertainty of the entire year, Deltec's 12th annual government contracting industry survey offered more clarity into the volatile year that was. Kevin Plexico is the Senior Vice President of Information Solutions at Deltec, and Dan Ferencelli is the Senior Manager for Product Marketing. They tell Executive Editor Jason Miller about how vendors say they dealt with and survived, and how some thrived during the pandemic year of 2020. First, we hear from Dan Ferencelli. One significant thing we did see, Jason, was businesses telling us that coordination with clients was a real top priority for them and pivoting to being successful in that virtual environment. So as a for example, we asked what the top challenges were through the pandemic and 63% of respondents called out that just coordinating with clients was a top priority for them. In addition to that, There is a lot of optimism that's in the industry as well that's reflected in the report. One data point to to share there is that I believe it was 70 or 71% of the survey takers, and that includes small, medium-sized, and large businesses, indicated to us that they expect that their government sales are going to bounce back in a big way in 2021. Interesting enough that the coordination piece, because one would argue coordination is always the most important thing, right? It's, it's whether it were pandemic or not, did they give any kind of comments about why this year was even more important? I mean, aside from the obvious, I'm not in front of you. I don't see you every day. Well, I'll just, I'll just comment on what I've heard from many of the people that I talked to in industry, which is, I, I feel like from the business development community, I, I got some people who were telling me how they're noticing that their government customer is more available than ever because they were all home. And I think that was viewed as a, as a pro. And they're also seeing more activity. But to your point, Dan, the feast or famine side, I think there were other cases where if you're trying to generate new business and form new relationships without that, that personal element or that ability to kind of interact with somebody in an industry day or a conference, uh, it really made it challenging for some in the industry to, to make new connections and to make new relationships. So I think it really depended on whether you were talking about working with existing customers and clients where I think you probably had for the most part, a, uh, an eager and willing buyer on, on the other side to work with versus a situation where you might have been trying to form new relationships in mind for new opportunities and work, in which case you were probably struggling to make connections with people who didn't know you and uh, were probably pretty busy dealing with their own agency challenges with the pandemic. I think that's a great point. I've, I've, you know, from a journalist perspective, we also have found things easier because the travel time and, and getting to events and they're more likely to jump on the call because they're not having to come to a, a studio or meet you somewhere. So, so I, I, I think business uh, sees the same thing. Let's talk about the revenue increase. It seems like th- there's a mix. So, so for instance, uh, win rate is a good example. It was flat year over year at 40% with small businesses indic- indicating a, a small increase, large businesses a small decline, and medium-sized businesses relatively flat. Given the amount of work that went out the door because of federal funding increases and the like, whether it's state and local or federal, were there some trends about the, the revenue increases, the, the win rates, the things of that nature that stood out to you? Because I, I think that's always a, a sign about what their confidence is in the market. There's always optimism about next year and you get the reality in the last year look. And so typically you see, how was your last year? How was your prior year? Well, it wasn't as good as we would have liked it to be. What do you expect next year? Well, we expect more growth. Um, I I do think given just the market conditions and circumstances, we were surprised at at the optimism in the market. But at the same time, 
you have this timing of this year's survey, January, February, the new administration coming in with a clear call for increases in investment. We also had the passage of the omnibus appropriations, so companies have confidence in what the agencies are going to have to spend this year, kind of tactically, uh, as well as a new administration with uh, ostensibly support from Congress for, for greater investment. So I think that affected the mindset of companies. But again, to Dan's point earlier, you know, depending on what part of the market you were in last year, you probably did really, really well if, if you're in things like medical products or certain areas that were really on the front line of, of the COVID, government's COVID response. Whereas I, I talked to many companies that were in areas where, you know, kind of de-emphasized and they were kind of left languishing, trying to figure out how to make ends meet, seeking the small business loans and trying to navigate the environment until they get certainty on spending. A couple of data points I'll share just in terms of uh, win rate, because we do ask every year, Kevin, as you know, kind of both, you know, medium, small, sorry, small, medium and large firms to report out what their average win rate is. And it's it's typically a, a key benchmark for us on the BD side. And Jason, maybe this speaks to what you were poking at. The Overall, the win rate was was relatively flat year over year at 40 percent. Uh, we did see medium-sized businesses report that they down to 34% uh, as far as their average win rate, so a little bit less performance as compared to their to smaller businesses and the large ones. I think the note on win rate, perhaps, is just to keep in mind, win rate can be affected by your aggressiveness in terms of how, how aggressive are you being in seeking new business. So as a, for example, a company that's bidding you know, in safe situations where maybe they have the relationship that's very much established and they they know that they're going to win, they may have and may report to us a higher win rate, but they might, as a result there, be overlooking some opportunities and limiting themselves to to a lower base of possibilities. So it's just, a, I guess, a grain of salt note that it's important that companies are, are doing this evaluation and analysis and digging into, you know, how did they get to that win rate that they have, you know, and did they, have they evaluated what bids they're going to pursue uh, objectively with an assessment of their likelihood of success on those? The other piece I want to walk through a little bit is some of the specific federal contract trends that you all found that you heard from the survey respondents. Interestingly enough, about 40% said that the number of, I guess, contracts that they're involved with stayed about the same, 30% increased, but about 25% say decreased somewhat or significantly. And then the same with IDIQ revenue, also, again, not a huge amount of changes. What are some of the federal contract trends you would highlight? Anything that st- stands out to you that, that are maybe different or of, of more of particular interest? Some of the priorities that we're seeing coming out of the Biden administration in terms of why small business prioritization has some momentum based on data goals include things like expedited loans and incubators and innovation hubs, as well as, and this is probably a really big one, expanded requirements for small disadvantaged uh, business utilization, the 8A program expansion. So there's a lot of momentum in terms of uh, on the small business side. I mean, certainly we've seen a trend in increasing small business utilization on a percentage basis. And that's something we've been seeing over the course of the, the, the tail end of the Trump administration. To be fair, it's not a, a new Biden administration initiative. But that said, the Biden administration, I think, has been very vocal about expanding the use of small disadvantaged businesses 
and some of the different socioeconomic groups that get uh, preference programs in the, in the federal government. So I think the outlook from that point of view is pretty positive in terms of the contracting trends that I think we've seen. You know, overall, the one thing I would say is if you look over the past five years, the number of prime contractors that are competing in the market has declined, and that cuts across large and small, despite the fact that we're seeing increases in spending. And a lot of that has to do with that consolidation and move to IDIQ contracts. I, I sort of feel like last year, if you look from one year to the next in the survey, because of the nature of what happened last year, most companies weren't going after brand new work. They were leveraging, and agencies were leveraging existing contract vehicles to, uh, to kind of accelerate the execution of the work. So it'll be interesting to see how that trend evolves going forward. But I do think there's a consolidation movement in the industry and certainly M&A has gotten back into high gear as we've seen the last just the last few weeks as companies have gotten more confident in the outlook and we've you know kind of escaped the the, the COVID virus shutdown effects that, that companies now have a bit more certainty around the market and now are, are eager to kind of get after the market more effectively but at the same time we have a government buyer that's looking looking to leverage its purchasing power to improve the quality of the products and the pricing that it gets from industry. Kevin Plexico is the Senior Vice President of Information Solutions at Deltec, and Dan Ferencelli is the Senior Manager for Product Marketing. They spoke with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. You can subscribe to The Federal Drive on Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy. with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm. I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, 
the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that, I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. 
And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing, if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, Think twice before sending money through an app or online. Winter season is here, and Discount Tire wants you to stay safe on the road. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. Discount Tire, let's get you taken care of. Let's get you taken care of.